Hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Thought I would uh, come out and say Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. We have a special Jack Benny show commemorating Mother's Day. And uh, this is one of the reasons why I love to run the episodes exactly, you know, 60, 70, 50 years since they were first aired. I think there's a resonance that connects to people when you hear Jack and his gang going through the same times of year as you're going through. And especially on holidays like Mother's Day. So uh, we will hear lots of Mother's Day jokes in this episode. You will... They have, there's a nice section of riddles that they share. And uh, every once in a while, these old episodes, my earliest of episodes that I share on my podcast, have a warmth in them and a, a feeling of camaraderie that maybe doesn't um, come through in the later episodes quite as much. So it makes them unique in a way, these early episodes. And this is one of those times, I I think this episode has a warmth to it that's amazing. And the, they, when Don does his um, Jell-O commercial in the early part of the show, uh, he actually sings it along with the rest of the cast. And it's fun to hear them singing the Jell-O commercial all together. it just uh, kind of binds us to them a little bit more, um, makes them more real, I don't know. And there's a famous flub in this one where Jack gets Henny and Kenny mixed up, and you'll hear that too, so it's fun to hear Jack kind of cracking up on it. I don't know if it was written into the script or not. I think on these early episodes they probably weren't written into the script. I know later on some of the flubs were written in, because they realized the audience liked them, and so they tried to sort of create them a little bit. Even though I think Jack and a lot of the actors say that they didn't do that, but when you look at the scripts, you can see that sometimes they did do that, to some extent anyway. Well, other than the uh, Mother's Day part of this episode, I thought I would also chat a little bit about Al Jolson. Al Jolson last was uh, yesterday was on our uh, Bing Crosby show from exactly 60 years ago, and that would be one of Al Jolson's final appearances on radio. Um, he has, I believe, one more that came up after that on Lux Radio Theater, and then uh, he was having a television show that he was going to host. And there was going to start production in the fall, but unfortunately he died before that could happen. Uh, I guess he was 64 years old when he died. And um, I just thought we should mention him because he's, he added so much to radio through his show and through his guest appearances. I didn't realize how popular he was even at the end. Um, I want to say like the 47-48 season, he was one of, if not the most popular show on radio, and then I think in the 49 season, he was voted as the most 
popular comedian or entertainer. And I thought, that's pretty amazing when you think about it, because uh, he had a lot of younger guys coming up. I mean, certainly you had Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis coming up um, at that time, and, and, you know, Jack and Phil and Dennis all had shows, and um, for him to stand out against all those folks, and of course Bob Hope and so forth, but pretty amazing, really. I uh, just thought we'd mention... You know, Al Jolson for the fact that, that we just happened to hit a time when he was in Jack's show just last month, and he was in Al, he was in uh, Bing Crosby's show just uh, yesterday, like I was saying. Um, those were his two, two of his very final performances on Jack Benny's show and Bing Crosby's show. So it's kind of sad to see him go in our timeline of 60 years ago. But what's nice is in our timeline of 40 years ago, <laughs> I mean uh, 70 years ago, <laughs> he's still around. So, so in the 1940s, he'll still be around as we go trip, trace through the uh, 1940s with our programs that are 70 years old. Well, I guess it's time for me to sign off. I will say that uh, I'm thinking about having the Sunday night's uh, program after this end of this season, having it morph over the summer into going back and playing the earliest of the Jack Benny shows. I think if we play those for you um, throughout next year, I think uh, we'll be having an opportunity to be having uh, four shows a week the following year with one being what would they be let's see 60 years old 65 years old 70 years old and 75 year old episodes which would be kind of cool but uh, we will see how that all shakes out I thank you all for tuning in Please enjoy this great Mother's Day episode of The Jack Benny Show. J-E-L-L-O! The Jell-O program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens a program with daydreams from the picture Gold Diggers in Paris. Some of these lovely warm spring days, don't you feel like forgetting everything and just getting out into the open for a long, carefree day? But there are meals, and you're afraid you haven't the time. Well, here's a tip. Jell-O will help you give you that time, for Jell-O is delightfully quick and easy to prepare. It dissolves instantly in hot water, it sets quickly, and you can just tuck it in your refrigerator, and when you're ready, there it is, a treat for any meal. And Jell-O is a treat served in any of a dozen different ways. Perfectly plain in a colorful shimmering mold. Garnished with rosettes of whipped cream, dressed up with fresh ripe strawberries. Jell-O brings you that delicious, extra-rich fruit flavor. So get some from your grocer. And tonight we want to salute your grocer and retail grocers everywhere. 
They're holding a national rally day on May 10th, and we want to extend our best wishes. And when you go to your grocer tomorrow, be sure to order Jell-O. That was Daydreams played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, this being Mother's Day, we bring you the mother of the Jell-O program, Jack Benny. Thank you. Yes, sir. Jell-O again. This is Mrs. Benny talking. And, Don, that introduction may have been spoken in jest, but there's an element of truth in it just the same. Well, Jack, I thought it was very apropos. You are sort of a mother to the gang here. Yes. We honor and respect you, and you're the first one we come to when we need money. That's right, Don. At 6%. That's right, too. <laughs> but, Don, you know, of all the children in my little radio family, you're my favorite. I mean that. No kidding. I, I, I think the world of you. You uh, mean because I'm such a good boy and I always am so nice to you? No, because you're less of a heel than the rest of the gang. <laughs> That's why. Well, anyway, Jack, I think Mother's Day is a marvelous idea, don't you? Yes, Don, it's a great thought. But you know what burns me up with some children? What's that, Jack? Well, take the ones that are away from home. Now, some don't even bother to write their mother a letter all year. And then on this one day, they send her a telegram and scare the dickens out of her. <laughs> <laughs> ah, here comes the black sheep of my family, folks <laughs> Hello, Philip Hello, Mammy <laughs> Mammy, eh? Listen, sonny boy Mammy's gonna slug you if you don't behave tonight <laughs> Anyway, you're a fine son I bet you didn't even send your real mother anything today I did, too I sent her a picture of my band with me standing in front of it Oh, well, that was a sweet thought Yes, no. sir, and I wrote on it Phil Harris and his orchestra She'll be mighty proud of that. She probably will, but you might have put Phil Harris and his orchestra on the Jack Benny program. Oh, no, I couldn't do that, Jack. Why not? She thinks I work in a beer parlor. <laughs> oh, I see. You don't want her to know that you're slipping. That's it exactly. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, that's a nice present to send to your mother. A picture of you and those 18 headhunters. <laughs> They look like any minute they're going into a war dance. Now, wait a minute, Jack. The only savage in my band is the drummer. I picked him up in Pango Pango. Oh, a real savage, eh? How'd you happen to meet him? I used to go with his sister. <laughs> well, I can believe that, but you know, Phil, your drummer seems to be fairly civilized. He doesn't look so vicious. You should have seen him before I had his teeth pulled out. <laughs> well, you sure have a novel organization there. A drummer from Pango Pango. But at that, he looks mild compared to your guitar player. My goodness. Oh, really, where'd you pick him up? Waukegan. Oh. <laughs> now, that's a lie. Look at him. We don't wear rings in our noses in Waukegan. Well, he's gone Hollywood. Oh. Well, if they're the rage, I must get one. <laughs> ah, here comes my little daughter now. Hello, Mary. Daughter? What are you talking about? Well, this is Mother's Day, and you're all my kiddies. You see, Mary, you see, I'm, I'm like a mother hen, and the rest of you are my little chicks. Gee, is Don Wilson one of your chicks, too? Yes, he is, Mary. Uh -huh. 
What'd you use for a nest? The Hollywood Bowl? <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't get the significance of it at all. By the way, Mary, did you send your mother a telegram today or flowers or anything? Yes, and I've been trying to get her on the long-distance phone all afternoon. Well, why don't you call her from here, Mary? Now, wait a minute, Don. Calls made from the studio are all charged to me personally. What are you doing, Mary? I'm calling Mama. But don't worry, I'll pay for it. Oh, go ahead. I'll treat you. But talk fast, will you? Operator, get me Plainfield, New Jersey. Goose liver, 8400. <laughs> I don't mind goose liver, but 8400 is unbelievable. Oh. Yes, that's it. I want to speak to Mrs. Bubbles Livingston. Bubbles, yeah. <laughs> Hope Mama's home. Yeah. M is for the million things she gave me. O means only that. Uh, yes, operator. She's growing old. Uh, T is for the tear she... Hello. Oh, hello, Mama. Well, you finally got her. Uh, Mama, this is Mary. I said this is Mary, not Harry. Mary. Oh, hurry. Uh, listen, Mama. Mary. M is for the million things you gave mm, An me. encore on my money. <laughs> yes, Mom, it's me. I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. Did you get the package I sent you? You did? Isn't that wonderful? Congratulations. What is it, Mary? I sent Mama a one-piece bathing suit, and she was just elected Miss Plainfield. <laughs> Say, that's marvelous. Did you hear that, fellas? It must have been foggy. Oh. Uh, what else is new, Mama? He did? Oh, isn't that cute? <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear something sweet, Jack? What? My little brother gave Mama a baseball bat for Mother's Day. She's so happy. Oh. Does your mother play baseball? No, Papa's been acting up again. Oh. Now, hurry it up, Mary. That costs money, will you? Well, Mom, I just called up to say hello. I better hang up because Jack is paying for the call. Yeah. Uh, what? Oh. Uh, hold the line a minute. Uh, uh, Mom wants to talk to you, Jack. Oh, I'm busy, Mary. Well, uh... you better talk to her. Oh, all right. Hello, Mrs. Liv. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, no. Goodbye. <laughs> hmm. That's a fine way to talk to Mama. You certainly gave her the rush act. Well, she asked me how I was feeling. How do I know at $7 a minute? <laughs> well, Mama's very sensitive. I don't care how sensitive she is. We've got a program to do. Jack, Jack, remember, you're a mother yourself today. Oh, that's right. What am I thinking of? Play, Phil. Now, where did I put my knitting?
Rocco, played by Phil Harris, and his Tango Pango Palookas. <laughs> Say, Phil, I meant to ask you, you flew down to Louisville for the Kentucky Derby. Did you have a good time there? Oh, marvelous, Jack. There was a big crowd and a lot of excitement. Yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't go gone along with you. Who'd you pick in the Derby? Well, there was a little blonde sitting in the... I don't mean the brown Derby. Who'd you pick in the Kentucky Derby? Well, I didn't know who to bet on. So just before the race, I went in the clubhouse to think about it over a mint julep. Oh, over a mint julep, huh? Who'd you finally bet on? Fighting Fox, they tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I see. Say, I can believe that. I've had a couple of those mint juleps myself, and they're dynamite. Uh, What are they like, Jack? Well, Mary, after two mint juleps, you sneer at tigers, which you see. (laughs) But why do you sneer at the tigers? Because you hope they'll start something. Anyway, Mary, this talk is for us men. You don't know anything about the Kentucky Derby. I do, too. I had a little bet on a horse called Mountain Ridge. Oh, so you bet on Mountain Ridge, eh? Yeah, but the moon came over him before he got in. (laughs) Well, I know that horse ran last, Mary, but it wasn't after dark when he came in. It wasn't, eh? No. Then why was a jockey wearing a (laughs) nightshirt? I don't know anything about that, and leave me alone. Hey, Mama, here comes your problem, child. Oh, hello, Kenny. Hello. Well, well, how's my youngest son tonight? Son? What are you talking about? Now I have to go through that again. Look, Kenny, this is Mother's Day. I'm a mother hen, and you're all my little chicks. A mother hen? I don't believe it. (laughs) You don't believe it? Lay an egg for him, Jack. I won't. I'm not in the mood. (laughs) Mood nothing? You can't. Well, of course I can't. I'm not really a Ken, Henny. I'm not really a hen, Henny. (laughs) I only... (laughs) I only said that because I thought it would be cute on Mother's Day, that's all. You know, Jack, I made up a swell riddle and it just fits Mother's Day. Want to hear it? Well, a riddle, yes, if it'll make you any happier. All right, here's a riddle. Oh. Why did I send my girl a hot dog on Mother's Day? I don't know, Kenny. Why did you send your girl a hot dog on Mother's Day? Because she's a red-hot mama. <laughs> mama, don't you get it? Now, well, wait a minute, Kenny. Control yourself. Say, Jack, what? I've got a riddle, too. Here we go, folks. What is it? Uh, why is Kenny's head like a ping-pong ball? I don't know, Mary. Why is Kenny's head like a ping-pong ball? Because it is, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> hey, that's not bad, you know. <laughs> that Mary's a riot. <laughs> yes, she is. Say, this is fun, you know. Let's all get in the game. How about you, Don? Have you got a riddle for us? No, Jack, but I've got a song that I've been working on, especially for Mother's Day. Oh, well, we must hear it. I wonder what it can be about. Oh, the suspense is awful. (laughs) Go ahead, Don. Give me a card, boy. J is for the jello, so delicious. Delicious. E is for each flavor, extra rich. (laughs) 
L is for that lemon, oh so tempting. Oh so tempting. L is for that lime, just try a dish. Just try a dish. O is for that orange, so delightful. Strawberry and raspberry as well. And cherry too. Wah, 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 Put them all together, they spell jello. A word that means the world to us. <laughs> that, um... That was J-E-L-L-O, sung by Don Wilson, who from now on will sing in his bathtub. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we will have another musical selection sung by Kenny Baker. What's it going to be, Kenny? <laughs> oh, boy, Red Hot Mama. Wow! <laughs> now, forget that riddle. What about your song? Oh, you mean my sideline? <laughs> yes, what are you going to sing? It's a brand-new number written by Pinky Tomlin called... Lost and found. Well, go ahead. What children? We have more trouble than the Jones family. <laughs>
found sung by Kenny Baker. And now, folks, I have a little surprise for you. A very dear friend of mine who was on my program once before is here in Los Angeles on a vacation. And again, I have persuaded him to appear with us. So now, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to present once again a young fellow I went to school with and who is now the mayor of Waukegan, Illinois, the Honorable Mansell Talcott. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. And it wasn't an imposition, Jack. I'm very happy to be here. And we're glad to have you, believe me. Well, Bitey, that's what we used to call him in school, folks. Uh, how are you enjoying California, Bitey? Just fine, droopy. <laughs> droopy? That's what we used to call Jack. They sure did, folks, until I got suspenders. <laughs> Ah, those were the happy days when we were all just kids in school. And now you're the mayor of Waukegan, and I'm a movie star. Well, I'm a mayor anyhow. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good, yes, sir. But, Bidey, will you ever forget the day we graduated? Remember that funny-looking suit you had on with cuffs on the sleeves and was too tight on you? <laughs> Where'd you ever get that suit? Your father sold it to me. <laughs> Well, I always traded across the street. <laughs> well, things have changed plenty in Waukegan since then, haven't they? Hmm? I'll say they have. You know our fire department. Yes. Well, we've got a hose now. <laughs> you have? What did you do with the buckets? Oh, we put geraniums in them. Oh, well, isn't that marvelous? Say, Bidey, you met Mary and Kenny and Don last year in New York, and now I'd like to have you meet our orchestra leader, Phil Harris. Phil, this is the mayor of Waukegan, Mansell Talcott. Glad to know you, Mr. Harris. Same here, Your Honor. You know, my band played in Waukegan once. You did? Yep, the whole town turned out and we still lost money. <laughs> <laughs> now, Phil, Waukegan is a big town. Hey, Bitey, you want to hear a riddle? Kenny, it's Mayor Talcott and he doesn't want to hear a riddle. <laughs> that reminds me, Jack, I've been listening to your program tonight and I couldn't get all that stuff you were saying about Mother's Day. I couldn't figure out whether you were a hen or not. Well, it's very simple, Bidey. I was just making a comparison, that's all. I still don't get it. Gee, if he can be a mayor, I can. <laughs> Kenny. Now, look, Bidey, I have a little surprise for you. As soon as I heard you were going to be up here tonight, I thought it'd be nice to do a special play in your honor. And that's just what we're going to do. Now, you're going to be the star of the play. You know, the lover. Oh, goody. Stop jumping up and down. Now, Mary Livingston is going to be your leading lady. Well, what about Loretta Young? Bidey, don't be unreasonable. Yeah, listen, Mansell, you're no Gable, you know. Mary, quiet. Well, if he wants Loretta Young, let him have her. Oh, I didn't mean that, Mary. You're better than Loretta Young any day. That shows what you know. <laughs> All right, now I've had enough of this. The next one that insults the mayor has to vote for him. <laughs> Now, let's go on with our play. Here's what it's all about. It's a modern love story about a wife who has more boyfriends than Snow White has dwarfs. Now, look, Bidey, I play the husband, Mary is my wife, and you, Don, Kenny, and Phil, and the orchestra will be her boyfriends. Uh, here's your part, Bidey. Thanks, Jack. I better look it over. I want to be good. Oh, you will be. Don't worry. Now, the scene of our play is the home of Mr. and Mrs. Mortimer J. Bookend in the uh, thriving little community of New York City. As the curtain rises, we find Mrs. Bookend with her husband for a change. Curtain. Music. 
Well, darling, it's almost train time. I'll be leaving in a little while for Altoona. Will you miss me? Of course, Mortimer. How long will you be gone? Oh, just a few days. Uh, can't you make it longer? I'm lonesome. <laughs> All right, three weeks, then. There's the phone. I'll answer it. You better not, or you won't go to Altoona. <laughs> I'll take it. Hello? Oh, hello, darling. What, dear? In a little while, honey. Yes? Yes? All right, darling. Goodbye, sweet. Hmm, who was that? The gas company. <laughs> the gas company? Well, they're getting awfully fresh. Oh, Mortimer, why are you so jealous? Oh, since... Why, don't you trust me? Is it because you find cigars around here and you don't smoke? No, it's because I find hats around here and they don't fit me. <laughs> Well, put some paper in them and shut up. Okay. Well, Faith, I must leave you now. <laughs> Goodbye, Faith, dear. You'll be true to me while I'm gone, won't you? Yes, Mortimer. Oh, Faith, my darling, at last we are alone. You don't come in yet, Bidey. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> Fine mare. Well... Goodbye, Faith. I'll write you every day. Uh, never mind. Just wire me when you're coming home. I sure will. So long. We now take you to the same house three seconds later. Uh, come in. Hello, honey. Has bookend left yet? <laughs> yes, Philip, my angel. <laughs> they think I've gone. But I'm really peeking in the window, folks. I'll lift it up a little and listen. Oh, Phil, darling, I feel a draft. Close the window, will you? Okay, honey lamb. Ouch, my nose. <laughs> oh, Phil, I can't tell you how much I've missed you. I know, dearest. I had to come here tonight as there's something I must ask you. Uh, what is it, Philzy Pie? Oh, Faith, my darling, at last we are alone. Not yet, Your Honor. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> I wish he'd wait. I'm sorry I put him in here. Tell me, Phil, what were you going to say? Listen, Faith, how long can this go on? Why don't you give up Mortimer and fly away with me? You've got something there. Oh, quick, quick, hide it. Maybe my husband. Your husband? I'll hide in the clothes closet. No, no, Fred Allen is in there. Fred Allen? What's he doing here? It's town hall tonight. <laughs> quick, quick, hide under the sofa. Okay. Oh, Kenny, my love. Faith, darling, has Droopy left yet? Yes, he's on his way to Altoona. Ah, little does she know who lurks beneath this window. With a broken nose. Quiet. <laughs> go ahead, Kenny. Faith, I love you. How long can I go on waiting? Waiting? What do you see in Mortimer? Nothing. Then why don't you give me up and marry him? <laughs> oh, what a cluck. Maybe my husband. Your husband? I'll hide under the sofa. No, Phil's in there. Hide in the ash can. Okay, I'm not fussy. Hurry, Kenny. Uh, who's there? Oh, Faith, my darling. At last we are alone. Wait till you get in the house, will you? <laughs> oh, pardon me. <laughs> Mansell, at last you're here. Yes, Faith. Why don't you give up Mortimer and marry me? Marry you? Yes, then we can go on our honeymoon to Waukegan Falls. But, Mansell, there are no falls in Waukegan. There are two. The WPA just built some. 
say, that's news to me. Quick, Mansell, it may be my husband. You must hide. Where? It's crowded already. Come on in the ice can. It's fun. Yes, and don't slam the lid. Hurry, Mansell, quick. Uh, who is it? It's me, your husband. Who? Your husband, husband. H is for the house so full of fellows. U is for you better get them out. <laughs> Here I come, ready or not. Uh-huh, I got you this time. You thought I went to Altoona. But I know what's been going around here, and I'm going to put a stop to it. Mortimer, Mortimer, what are you going to do? I'll show you what I'm going to do. Come on out, all of you, or I'll let you have it. Mortimer! All right, then, take this. Mortimer, Mortimer, what have you done? I just shot the gas company. Blaisdell, <laughs> if you can. Here's some news about a swell dessert made a swell new way. It's a grand new way to serve fresh strawberries combined with delicious, fruit-rich strawberry jello. It has a tempting name, Fresh Strawberry Supreme, and it has a tempting look and taste. Here's the way to make it. Dissolve one package of strawberry jello in hot water and chill until cold and syrupy. Then place the jello in a bowl of cracked ice and whip it with a rotary egg beater until it's fluffy. Arrange sweetened sliced strawberries in individual sherbet glasses, and then pile the whipped jello on top of the berries. It's a swell dessert, for whipped strawberry jello has the prettiest color you ever saw a beautiful deep rose. It's light and frothy like whipped cream, and it tastes as grand as it looks. For jello brings you delicious, extra rich fruit flavor. So deep and rich, it rivals the flavor of the fresh ripe berries themselves. So get some strawberry jello tomorrow and serve fresh strawberry supreme for dessert. Just be sure to get the one and only genuine jello. This is the last number of the 30-second program in the new Jell-O series, and we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. And I want to wish all you mothers everywhere a happy day every day. And, Bidey, I want to thank you very much for taking part in our little play tonight, perhaps something you're not used to, but we did have a lot of fun. We certainly did, Jack, and I hope I did all right as an actor. Why, you were swell. You were really marvelous. It's been nice having you here in Hollywood, Bidey. I suppose you'll be going back to Waukegan soon. Uh, yes, if I don't get in the movies. <laughs> well, I'll see you down at the station, Bidey. Good night, folks. J-E-L-L-O. It's the National Broadcasting Company. Hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from 1947-1948 season. Tonight's episode continues our epic Oscar arc. Uh, probably the longest arc I can think of of episodes that go on and connect to each other. Uh, tonight, uh, Frank Sinatra will be on. And uh, get, we'll get a chance to talk about uh, Frank and his Oscar, and you'll see him 
uh, Jack dealing with Frank as our story continues. What I love is how they ask the writers about it. The writers can never remember how long this arc actually ran and how it ended. So we shall see eventually when it ends, how it ends. But uh, the other arcs I can think of, of course, are the uh, the famous um, ski trip arc. It's like uh, five episodes or something like that from 1940, I believe. And that's a great one. That's probably my favorite of all the the arcs. It's just a great storyline, and it's a lot of fun to spend a camping trip with uh, Jack and the gang. I wish they did more of these, actually. And then the other arcs are mostly accidental. I mean, the Orson Welles arc that we just had on... Uh, on our 1942-1943 season, um, in which he took over the show for five weeks or four weeks, and then he appeared one more time with Jack, was because Jack was out sick, of course. Uh, Then there's, of course, this arc, which, like I say, is, I think, the longest one, unless you include uh, the Buck Benny skits as an arc, which aren't really an arc, they're a takeoff of of, uh, the serials, of course, from... Uh, the movies where it'd be continued each week for 12 weeks or whatever. Um, that's kind of the, the takeoff that, that, uh, that they're doing with that. So who knows? That's, uh, I don't know how long Buck Benny ran. Uh, I think it's like at least 12, 13, 14, something like that, uh, shows, but there were, it wasn't continuing every episode. There'd be spaces between them and so forth. This one, what are we on now? Probably our fourth or fifth week or something of it. And uh, who knows how much longer it keeps going. It's definitely this week and next week anyway. So I hope you've been enjoying it. Uh, and I hope you enjoy Frank Sinatra tonight. I always I always like when Frank's on with uh, Jack. It's uh, great. I, had a, I did a fairly long intro about Frank and Jack a number of weeks ago, and Frank was barely on the episode, so... <laughs> Hopefully he's on a little bit more. He's, you know, a lot of these, I think one of the reasons they can continue this arc for as long as they do of stories is because it's not the main arc, it's not the main um, plot of the episode. Usually it's just tagged on, sort of, and so it's the kind of, there's usually an A storyline and a B storyline in lots of shows, uh, Jack Benny and other shows as well. It's kind of the B storyline that keeps running and running and running. Uh, anyway, I thought uh, I thought I'd mention a couple things. Number one is um, I've got a, some people emailing me, kind of freaking out over uh, uh, oh, don't take this show off or don't do that. You you said you're going to do this or you're almost out of money and oh no. And uh, <laughs> uh, what you're hearing sometimes is if you listen to an episode that has the word classic in the title, it says Jack Benny classic podcast. The word classic means it's an old podcast I'm playing. Uh, certainly the Saturday Saturday Night Jack Benny shows from the 1937-1938 season, which to the point where we're looping back over and, and I'm representing episodes I presented originally like five years ago, four years ago, whatever it was. So instead of re-recording a new intro, I grab the old intro, and if I have a better quality copy of the episode, I link it to an, a better uh, copy of the episode, but I just throw it out there. So I might be referring to shows that don't exist or saying shows are going off, and of course that's not accurate. Um, I may say, oh, tune in every Wednesday for Dragnet, and you're like, wait a minute, you don't play Dragnet. And you're right, I don't, but 
three, four years ago, I did play Dragnet, <laughs> and, or I might say tune into Burns and Allen on whatever night, and of course I don't play Burns and Allen anymore, or Fibber McGee and Molly, or whatever it happens to be. Uh, so just realize that if it says classic in the title somewhere, enjoy the intro. People still want me to play the old intros, but just realize that it's not the information presented uh, besides the information about the episode is still going to be accurate, but the information about what I'm playing on different nights is not going to be very accurate. So don't freak out. We're keeping all the same shows going up until summertime. I may add some new ones or whatever, but um, anyway, so that kind of explains that. Now, about our shows, uh, we haven't talked about a lot of our shows recently. I've been uh, so busy. I've been only doing podcasts pretty much for just the Jack Benny shows, in recent weeks, but a lot of folks have written me that they're just loving the Bing Crosby, and I just, I'm really enjoying Monday nights with Bing Crosby, just, it, it, it's just such a warm, fun, friendly show, and I love his singing, and uh, hear him do duets, like this last, um, last night he did a duet with um, Claudette Colbert, and it's just neat to hear him uh, interacting with great stars and also singing duets with great stars. I'd like to collect like all the a bunch of the duets and put them together in one listening experience. Maybe someday I'll do that. Uh, besides that, the other thing that I'm getting huge amounts of emails on and things is people loving um, on stage, which I've just started recently after we finished off. Um, what was it? The C. I'm <laughs> forgetting the name of the show. Anyway, again with um, Elliot Lewis, um, the the Queen, the Scarlet Queen. Uh, he was on that, and then after that, wrapped up. Um, it was great. We could segue pretty much right into uh, his uh, 1953 uh, on stage performance that he was doing with his wife Kathy Lewis. And folks just think they're wonderful shows. I'm sorry this week's episode had really bad sound, but it's all I had lying around for that episode. Anyway, I hope you're all enjoying On Stage. And, um, and each episode is so different. There's, there's such a variety. There's lots of comedy and action and just all sorts of things. I really liked uh, Casey at the Bat, which was last Monday's episode. Um, which was a really neat retelling of that and kind of an embellishment on this, the original story and a lot of fun to listen to them do that. Um, then, of course, what do we got on Tuesday nights? Suspense. That's fantastic show. Um, they just, on, um, what's it called? Digest. Radio Digest? I think it's called Radio Digest. The magazine. Um, it's a website and a magazine, and they had uh, folks vote on their favorite radio shows, the top 25 radio shows, and they did it again, what, like 15 years ago, and then 15 years before that, and so they were sharing all the the votes and how it had gone every single time. What is the number one show voted on uh, on every time that they've they've asked the question of your favorite show? Of course, Jack Benny. Um, number two, though, has been the same every single time. And number two has been Suspense. And so we bring you Suspense every Tuesday night. 
and I hope you're enjoying those episodes. I really enjoy suspense and hearing all these famous actors uh, come and be on our suspense episodes. Um, the, uh, the, the other shows in the top 10, 20, whatever shows that have been, that have been voted on change quite a bit. And quite a few of them I don't play. I mean, like, Bing Crosby's never been, I don't even think, in the top 20. Uh, but I really enjoy Bing, and a lot of folks out there, too. Uh, uh, probably Gunsmoke, I would think, is in there somewhere. I'll um, I'll start, I'll look at it. I've got the list somewhere. I just had it, was reading it today, and uh, I'll try and maybe on a podcast later this week or next week present more of the list and say what the shows are and let you folks uh, email me to tell me which shows are the ones maybe you'd like me to start playing. I don't know. So that's uh, Tuesday nights. And then Wednesday nights, of course, we have uh, Jimmy Durante that we've been bringing you in such high, great, great quality sound. And we, uh, of course, also bring you um, Phil Harris' show whenever we have one. We There's a lot that are missing. I think we've got one more for this season from uh, the 1940. 748 season, and we bring you Dennis whenever we have Dennis's shows available, also from that season. But we're missing a lot, so it's usually Jimmy Durante and um, Gunsmoke that we bring you on Wednesdays. And Gunsmoke is celebrating the 60th anniversary this year, and so it's been fun bringing those to you. Uh, and of course, their beautiful sound. Uh, 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 I have high quality episodes, unfortunately, only up through about halfway through the run. And then uh, I, I forgot where I downloaded them from, and so I can't. I haven't, been, I haven't been able to find the high quality episodes for the last five years. We don't have to worry about it for another year or so before I run out a year or two. Um, but hopefully, I'll find my link to the to those high quality episodes, and we can get some more of them. Uh, let's see. Thursday, we of course have Jack again, and we have um, oh yeah, Escape. And uh, Escape, I haven't been hearing a lot of uh, people's comments and things. That's one of the shows I'm thinking about maybe eliminating next year to create space for another show. Um, please email me if you're in a big Escape fan and you've been enjoying them. They're great sounding episodes and they have some wonderful performances from a lot of the same actors and things that would later go on to Gunsmoke. But this was Norm MacDonald's show before he started producing Gunsmoke, he was making Escape for many years. Um, then, of course, Friday, we play Fred Allen. We've been doing that since, boy, almost the first year of the podcast. Been uh, bringing every Friday night Fred Allen, and we'll continue to do that forever, because uh, I just love Fred. Um, and, of course, if you didn't tune in on Sunday night, we had Fred's very last and very first um, times he teamed up in radio with Jack Benny. And so it was a very touching, uh, emotional podcast for me, and uh, a fun one to do. Then, uh, besides that, we used to have Fibromegia Molly, but I've lost my connection to the high-quality episodes. I need to try and figure out if someone else has those that I can get a hold of, because I, I want to bring you these great-sounding episodes but we've taken a break from that for a while, and I've been playing Command Performance, and folks are really enjoying the Command Performances. I get a lot of comments on them. We just ran out of our high-quality ones that I had, at least the ultra-high quality, 
first generation, just gorgeous sound, the best sound I've ever heard from Command Performance. Now we're to a step down from that. It's still really good sounding quality, but it's not quite the quality that those were. Uh, I think I'm going to start bringing that to you twice a week, because a lot of people have asked that I play Command Performance more often, and there's so many episodes of it that if I just play it weekly, we'll fall further and further behind. If I start playing it twice a week, we should slowly catch up and, and get into the right time frame, because we're a little off. We're about, what well, I don't know, what are we, are half a year off or something like that from the rest of the shows. Uh, I think we're in last summer's episodes we're playing, at least the summer of 1942, and we're, of course, in the spring of 1943 for most of our shows that are that vintage. Uh, then on Saturdays, we were having um, our Rod Serling Theater, which was featuring lately The Loner, which is this wonderful series that he, uh, he did in 1965 after Twilight Zone was over. Uh, and we've been linking to the episodes that are on uh, YouTube, and I've been introducing them. Uh, folks have been enjoying that, and that's great. Uh, I just need more time to watch. I want to make sure I watch the episode so I can talk about it and so forth. And so I've just taken a little break from that because I haven't had the time to really put into it. They'll be back again and just at some point. Uh, and then, of course, Saturday night we have our usually classic Benny podcast because we've looped over those that I explained earlier. And then Sunday nights, pretty much since the podcast began, we've been playing um, Jack Benny and... Um, Phil Harris's show because they were uh, from the same week in time and so we continue to do that um, and so I know that folks are enjoying those and Sunday is our most popular night for listening I get more listeners on, on Sunday than any other and it makes great sense that you would listen to Jack Benny on Sunday night um, I'm just again so thankful for all you listeners out there um, Somehow we've lost about a hundred people. Usually we're always growing and growing and growing all the time. Uh, but lately, the last oh, couple months, we've lost a hundred people. Uh, and I don't know why. I don't know if something happened and people can't get to the podcast as easily, if there's something blocking part of it or anything. If you were not unable to get to the podcast for a while for some reason and then you've been able to work around that or something, please email me and tell me what happened there because... Uh, I don't know if 100 people just got tired of me and stopped listening or what happened, but we don't usually go backwards that dramatically. Uh, anyway, enjoy tonight's episode. Enjoy the Oscar art that continues on. It's a great story arc. And um, we will see you next week for some more of our Oscar arc in the 1947-48 season of the Jack Benny Show. And uh, we'll see you again tomorrow or for those of you that only listen to the jack benny shows we'll see you again on thursday uh i continue to enjoy bringing you all these fantastic shows and we just hadn't talked about them for a while so i thought i would so sorry if this went a little long but um i love these shows and as i continue to do more jack bennies and we start looping over with more and more of them until eventually we'll have only or mostly classic Benny podcasts that I've already done, that'll free me up to do some podcasts for uh, more intros of um, the Bing Crosby show, Gunsmoke, that sort of thing. Because uh, I'd, I'd love to do podcasts for other shows besides Jack. 
It's just when things get tight, I always do my Jack podcast because I, I just really want to have an introduction for every Jack Benny show that ever existed. I think that's a cool goal, but um, I'd also love to do intros to a lot of other shows as well. So anyway, enjoy, and we'll see you next time. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Lucky Strike and Lucky Strike alone offers you important evidence gathered in the tobacco country by the world-famous Crosley Pole. This evidence reveals the smoking preference of auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen, the men who really know tobacco. Here's what the Crosley Poll found. For their own personal smoking enjoyment, independent tobacco experts again name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice over any other brand. These experts know their business. Their overwhelming preference for Lucky Strike, we believe, has a direct relationship to the quality tobacco we purchase for Luckies and to the real, deep-down smoking enjoyment you may expect from fine tobacco. And when these veteran tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice for their own personal smoking enjoyment, then you know. L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And in a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. So smoke the smoke tobacco experts smoke Lucky Strike. Remember, independent tobacco experts again name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice over any other brand. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Barry Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, as there are only eight more programs left in the current Lucky Strike series, at this time I would like to pay tribute to a man who for the past 30 weeks has brought joy and happiness into millions of American homes. Uh, don't forget the 569,000 trailers. <laughs> A man whose wit, charm, and personality have endeared him to the hearts of his public. Keep going, Dow. We have a half hour. <laughs> A man who is loved, admired, and respected by every member of his cast. How true. <laughs> A man who every year at this time picks up our options, Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking, and Don, since you brought the matter up, I suppose you received the contract I mailed you for next season. Yes, I did, Jack, and I'm not quite satisfied with some of the clauses. Huh? After serving you faithfully for 14 years, I'm surprised that you had the effrontery to present me with a contract that was not only insulting, but relegates me to a position that no self-respecting man would accept. Well... <laughs> Uh, and just what is your complaint, Mr. Wilson? Well, here's the situation, Jack. Now, you get a lot of laughs at the expense of my being fat. Uh-huh. And this year, my weekly salary has been at the rate of $2 a pound. Uh-huh. So I think it's only fair that next year I get $3 a pound. Three bucks a pound. <laughs> Don, I wouldn't give you $3 a pound if all your fat was trimmed off and you were hanging on a hook. <laughs> Anyway, the raise I offered you is as high as I can go. Now, what do you say? I can't sign the contract now, Jack. I'll have to talk it over with the little woman. 
Oh, you and the little woman. Haven't you got a mind of your own? Yes, but I respect my wife's opinion. I, I'm very devoted to her. I see. After all, I'm at home with her every day except Sunday. Well, I can fix that, too. <laughs> now, look, Don, I've been very fair about this whole thing, and I... Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. What are you talking about? Oh, Don isn't satisfied with his new contract for next season. He isn't? No. Oh, my goodness. And after all you've done for him. Well, that's the way it goes, Mary. There isn't much gratitude in this business. Why, Don Wilson, you ought to be... Never mind, Mary. Thanks just the same. By the way, have you read your new contract? Yeah, what are you trying to do, bring back slavery? Oh, <laughs> so I'm going to have trouble with you, too. Uh, what's wrong with your contract? I don't like Clause 7. Clause 7? Oh, Mary, I mean, it, it only happens once or twice a year. I don't care. If you buy a turkey, kill it yourself. <laughs> Mary, can I help it if I'm sentimental? You're not sentimental. When you pay for a whole turkey, you hate to chop anything off. <laughs> oh, stop. Sentimental. You even use the head for badminton. <laughs> I stopped doing that. I mean, I couldn't stand the way it came over the net staring at me. <laughs> Anyway, Mary, you've got a lot of nerve complaining about your contract. After all... Hiya, Jackson. Hiya, Don. Hello, Livy. <laughs> Hello, Phil. Phil, it's about time you got here. What made you so late? It ain't my fault, Jackson. I had plenty of time to get here, but just as I left the house, Alice fainted. Oh, my goodness. That must have scared you to death. Nah, it happens every time I kiss her goodbye. <laughs> oh, brother. That's what she said as she hit the floor. Phil, Phil, do you really have that effect on Alice? Jackson, she won't even let me shave with a mirror. She don't want my love divided. <laughs> Phil. Phil, if I paid you by the pound, your head would ruin me, you know. <laughs> Now, look, just pick up your baton and let's have a band. Hold it a minute. No, you don't, Jackson. I ain't making with no downbeat till I talk to you about that new contract you sent me. My lawyers don't like it. Your lawyers? Who are they? Kerchie, Bagby, Fletcher, and Fink. <laughs> oh. Well, Phil, just what is it you and your lawyers object to in the contract? We don't like the clause that says I got to get to bed on Saturday night before 3 a.m. Well, it's for your own good, Phil. After all, you have a program to do on Sunday. I want you to look bright and fresh. I know, but if I lose that red glow in my eyes, I ain't got no personality. <laughs> Phil. Phil, I've been playing badminton with a turkey head for two years, and it looks better than you do. <laughs> anyway, I'll talk to your lawyers about your contract later. But right now, let's have a band number. Okay, Jackson. What would you like to hear? Henry Bussey, but I'm stuck with you. <laughs> now, go ahead. Play anything. Hold a minute, Phil. Come in. Well, look who's here. Pardon the intrusion, Mr. Benny. Hello, Mr. Kitson. Mr. Kitzel, it's certainly nice to see you. I'm sorry to bother you, but I wonder if you could spare a ticket to your next week's broadcast for my uncle who's visiting me from the east. Oh, you have an uncle visiting you, eh? Uh-huh. Uh, what part of the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what part of the east is he from? Pomona. 
anyway, Mr. Kitzel, I'll be very glad to give your uncle a ticket. You are wonderful, boy. You know, for this, he'll give you a box of oranges. He owns an orange grove. An orange grove? Oh, of course. Pomona is in the citrus belt. Belt, suspenders. During the drought, he lost his pants. Oh, well, that's too bad, huh? Thank you. Anyway, Mr. Benny, I hope my wife will have better luck. Your wife? Yeah, she's opening a restaurant on Oliveira Street called Mama Kitzel's Adobe Hacienda. <laughs> but, Mr. Kitzel, that's Spanish. Uh, can your wife cook Spanish food? <laughs> she specializes in tamales with sour cream, enchiladas with chopped liver, uh -huh. chili con corned beef, and Spanish smorgasbord. <laughs> Spanish smorgasbord, what's that? A herring that's taking a siesta on top of a slice of onion. <laughs> well, that sounds novel, huh? And the tortillas, you'll be crazy about it. The tortillas? Yeah, that's a crepe sujet that shouldn't happen to a dog. <laughs> oh, well, Mr. Kitchen, let me know when you open your restaurant. I'll come down and visit you. Uh, buenos dias, senor. Goodbye. What did I say? I don't know. I think... <laughs> Kitzel's Adobe Hacienda. That's a cute name. All right, Phil, let's have the number. We... Yes, sir. That was the new look played by Phil Harris and his gin rummy orchestra. Eighteen rummies full of gin. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, for our... Uh... Say, Jack, where's Dennis? Dennis, I don't know, but I hope he gets here pretty soon. I want to talk to him about his new contract for next year. A new contract for Dennis? Yeah. I thought you had him sign up till next Haley's Comet. <laughs> well, it's the same contract, Mary, but I added a new clause Hey, Lev, you should have seen the clause Jackson tried to get into my contract Never mind What was it, Phil? If I ever find a dime, before I can spend it, I gotta call Jackson and find out if he lost one <laughs> Phil, I did that for a gag Where's your sense of humor? I mean, just because I... Hey, maybe that's Dennis I'll get it Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny, this is Rochester Hello, Rochester. What do you want? I've been listening to the program, boss, and it occurred to me we haven't discussed my contract yet. Well, Rochester, you've been working in my house for ten years, and I feel there's no necessity for a written contract. Uh -huh. <laughs> Everything is perfectly clear, and we have what is known as a verbal agreement. 
Uh-huh. Now, that means we have a mutual understanding. Why put things on paper? The amount of money involved is too small. That's what I mean. Let's get it up. <laughs> You'll be taken care of. And believe me, Rochester, there's no necessity for a written contract. But my attorneys advised it. Whereas and to wit. Your attorneys, who are they? Remus, Bemis, Sugarfoot, and Smythe. <laughs> Oh, well, tell Remus, Bemis, Sugarfoot, and Smythe to get in touch with Kirchy, Bagby, Fletcher, and Fink. <laughs> Let them handle it. It's the same firm. They got a branch on Central Avenue. <laughs> oh. Well, anyway, Rochester, you've got nothing to worry about. I'm giving you a substantial raise next year. Substantial? Yeah, you know what the word means, don't you? I ain't illiterate. I'm skeptical. <laughs> Well, you're getting it, so don't let it bother you. I'll see you later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, boss. Now what? Are you still going to have company for dinner tomorrow night? Oh, yes. I'm glad you reminded me. You better run down to the store and get a leg of lamb. A leg of lamb? Why don't you get a turkey? Why? After dinner, they may want to play badminton. <laughs> no, just get a leg of lamb and a small squab. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now, let's see. Where were we? Oh, Don, Don. Yes, Jack? I think right now would be a good time for a commercial. But, Jack, the quartet isn't here. How are we going to get laughs? Why, it's simple. Remember a few weeks ago when you did the commercial wearing that old straw hat? People loved it. Oh, I know, Jack, but we don't want to do that again. We don't have to, Don. The idea is to give the people something different. Uh, what do you mean? Now, look, at every announcer in radio reads his commercial standing up at the microphone. Well, how else can you do it? You can lie down. <laughs> what? Go ahead, Don. Lie down on the floor. I'll bet you the audience will be crazy about oh, it. Oh, but, Jack, I think it's silly to do a commercial lying but down on the floor. But it's different, Don. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about. Lie down. Oh, okay. But do it gently oh. now. You know, we don't want to... We don't want to... Dis <laughs> Don, we don't want to disturb the seismograph at Berkeley, you see? <laughs> now, um... Now, Don, I'll hold the microphone down to your face. There. Now, go ahead, Don. Read the commercial. Okay. LSMFT, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Yes, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And in a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. So smoke the smoke tobacco experts Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Don, talk louder. The radio waves aren't getting over your stomach. <laughs> I've been smoking Lucky Strikes for now out of 25 years. Because I'll see the makers of Lucky Strike buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. All right, folks, wasn't that clever? You see, Don, you did get laughs. And I got a Lulu for next week. You're going to read the commercial with your head sticking out of a cement mixer. <laughs> Say, Jack. What? While you and Don were doing that classy commercial, a note came for you. A note? Who's it from? Dennis Day. From Dennis? What does it say? It says, Dear Mr. Benny, my mother won't let me be on the program until she talks to you about my new contract. Your loyal subject, Dennis Day. <laughs> well, how do you like that? Oh, wait a minute, Jack. There's more. More? Yeah. P.S. I found a dime today. Please let me know as soon as possible as a good, good humor man is waiting. Imagine Dennis not showing up. He's supposed to sing. 
What are we going to do for a song, Don? I mean, my contract with Lucky Strike says I've got to have a song every week. Oh, Jack, I've got an idea. What is it, Don? Well, Frank Sinatra's rehearsing a special broadcast in Studio B, and maybe he'll come over and help you out. Sinatra? Yeah. Say, that would be great. Oh, Mary, will you please go over to Studio B, and if Sinatra's there, ask him if he'll come over, will you? Will I? I'll be glad to. <laughs> Gee, am I excited. I'd better see if my stockings are straight. <laughs> or maybe Frankie'd like it better if I'd roll them down. <laughs> there, that'll do it. Let's see. Uh, Studio B is at the other end of the hall. No, that's Jack's tune. He's liable to sue me. <laughs> Gosh, I bet millions of girls all over the country would love to be in my place right now. Going to see Frank Sinatra. But I don't feel any different. It hasn't the slightest effect on me at all. <laughs> steady, girl. Steady. Well, here goes. All right, fellas. Uh, let's rehearse but beautiful once more, huh? Funny or it's sad or it's quiet or it's mad. It's a good thing or it's bad, but beautiful. Beautiful to take a chance. And if you fall, you fall And I'm thinking I wouldn't mind at all Love is cheerful Or it's gay It's a problem Or it's play it's a heartache either way But beautiful And I'm thinking If you were mine I'd never let you go And that would be but beautiful, I know. Thank you very much, fellas. That was that was great, man. That'll be enough for today. Uh, oh, Frank, uh, uh, huh? Frankie. Oh, hello, Mary. Uh, hello, Frankie. Uh, nice seeing you again. Nice seeing you. Gee, you sure look gorgeous today, Mary. I'm a steady girl, steady. <laughs> uh, say, Frank, I came to ask you to step over to our studio. Uh, Jack would like to see you. Well, that's a coincidence. I was just going over to see him myself. Yeah, I'm a little peeved at him. He's ruining my singing on the hit parade. Well, I don't understand. How can Jack hurt your singing? 
I can't hit those high notes anymore. He puts too much starch in my collars. <laughs> oh. Well, that's Rochester's fault. Jack specially is rough dry. <laughs> well, that isn't my only complaint, Mary. Yesterday, my bundle of laundry came back and two of my handkerchiefs were missing. And they were the handkerchiefs that Crosby gave me for my birthday. Well, how do you know they were the handkerchiefs Bing gave you? They had chloroform on them. <laughs> Well, uh, Jack doesn't want to see you about the laundry He'd like to have you sing a song on his program Today? Yes, uh, right now Well, okay, come on, let's go over and we'll have a talk with him Where's Jack broadcasting from, Mary? Uh, right here in Studio C Let's go in Okay, wait a second, Mary, I'll open the door for you <clears throat> Thanks, Mary All right, I kill turkeys, too. Now, <laughs> uh, listen, Don, if Fred Allen thinks he's that funny, he's got... Oh, hello, Frankie. Hi, Jack. Do you want to see me? Yes, yes, come right in. By the way, you know my gang, don't you? Sure, sure, yeah. Where's Don Wilson? Any place you look. <laughs> hey, Don, here's Frank Sinatra. Well, hello, Frankie. Holy smoke, I'm surrounded. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a difference in your size. Oh, but... I got a goose pimple bigger than him. Now, lie down, please. Now, Frank... <laughs> Frank, I'll get right to the point. You see, Dennis couldn't be here today, so I'd like to have you sing a song on my program. Well, I, I don't know. It's... it's strictly business, Frank. I mean, I intend to pay you. You're gonna pay? <laughs> Certainly. Frank, what are you doing? I'm calling RKO. This is another miracle of the bells. <laughs> Well, you can hang up and we'll talk business. Now, how much would you want to sing just one song? $5,000. Why doesn't he fall down? I know he fainted. <laughs> Mary, please. Well, look, Frank, for $5,000, you sing both the verse and the chorus of a song, don't you? Uh-huh. Now, look, Frank, most people don't know the verse anyway. Now, what... <laughs> look, what, uh, what would you charge... What would you charge for just the chorus? $3,000. Hmm. Well, you know, we wouldn't need a whole chorus. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be cut off the air again. Now, how much... Frankie, how much would you charge me for, say, 16 bars? $1,500. Yeah, that's... Almost $100 a bar. Uh, can't you... Can't you give me something a little less expensive? Well, for 10 bucks, I can blow my nose and see sharp. <laughs> that might help you out a bit. <laughs> no, no, Frankie, I know you're short two handkerchiefs, you know? <laughs> now, look, Jack, what's the use of dickering? My price is $5,000. But, Frank, let's compromise. Look, I'll give you $500. Five thousand. Five hundred and one? Four thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine. Five hundred and two? Four thousand nine hundred and ninety-eight. Five hundred and three? Mary, what are you doing? I'm calling Paramount. This is going to be another lost weekend. <laughs> 
Never mind. Now, Frank, since we're so close to an agreement on price, why don't you... Why don't you just do your song and we'll settle it after the program. I mean, we shouldn't haggle in front of the audience. You know, it, it makes you look cheap. You <laughs> see? Now, come on, sing your song. Huh? Well, okay, Jack. But who's, who's going to accompany me? Phil Harris's orchestra. Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> no, not that. Well, wait a minute, Frankie. A few weeks ago on my show, they accompanied Bing Crosby. I know, I know, but he already made his. Well, I'll tell you what I'll accompany you on the violin And Frank Remley on the guitar Frank Remley? Yeah <laughs> That's Phil Harris's nature, boy <laughs> Now I'll get my violin Oh, darn it Excuse me, Frank Hello? Hello, Mr. Billy This is Rochester again Oh, what is it this time, Rochester? Well, I'm listening to your program And I just heard Frank Sinatra That's right, he's here What about it? Boss, you've got to get an Oscar to give back to Mr. Coleman. Yes? Well, Mr. Sinatra won an Oscar a couple of years ago in a picture called The House I Live In. Say, that's right. He did. Gee, I wonder if he'd lend it to me. He might if he hasn't thrown it away. Now, why in the world would he throw an Oscar away? Could be jealousy. It weighs more than he does. <laughs> Gee, Rochester, I'm glad you told me about him. By the way, I think you're putting a little too much starch in Mr. Sinatra's collars. He looks like a dehydrated Herbert Hoover. <laughs> Be careful, will you? I will. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now, look, Frank. I'm already now, Jack. You get your violin Look, Frank, look, look, Frank. Look, let's hold the song for a minute. I want to talk to you about something very important. What is it, Jack? No, not here. Let's go out in the hall. Okay. Now, Frank, I'm not going to beat around the bush. As you know, I lost Ronald Coleman's Oscar, and I've got to get one to replace it. Yeah. Now, you won an Oscar, didn't you? Yeah, we won it for the house I live in, Jack. Well, look, Frankie, you can do me a great favor. I'll only need it for a few weeks. You see, I got to get an Oscar back to Ronald Coleman before he comes Hey, would you guys mind moving over? We're trying to vacuum this hall. <laughs> in a minute, in a minute. They're always cleaning up around here. Now, Frankie... Yes, Jack? I've never been in such a spot in all my life. I'm not asking you to give me the Oscar. I just want you to lend it to me until now we get... Now, look, you guys! I'm trying to vacuum this corridor! I'm asking you once more to move! <laughs> look, don't be in such a hurry, bud. Now, Frankie, look. How about it? Let me have your Oscar. Well, Jack, as long as you're in that kind of a spot and it's only for a few weeks, maybe I can arrange... Frank... Frankie. <laughs> Darn it, he got too close to the vacuum. <laughs> now I'll have to go outside and wait till they empty the bag. <laughs> Everything happens to me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, savings bonds are vitally important in the nation's battle against price inflation and for the future welfare of all of us. It is important that we continue to build financial security for ourselves and for our children. Protect your future by extra security bonds now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jack will be back in just a minute. But first, here's Basil Rysdale. Independent tobacco experts again name Lucky Strike first choice. 
Lucky Strike, first choice over any other brand. At 50, American. The famous Crosley poll has just completed an impartial survey in 11 southern tobacco states. This poll, taken among tobacco experts, reveals the smoking preference of men who really know tobacco. Yes? For their own personal smoking enjoyment, independent tobacco experts again name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice over any other brand. These are the experts, auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen, and we believe their overwhelming preference for Lucky Strike has a direct relationship to the quality tobacco we purchase for Luckies. You've heard the poll results. Now, listen to what Mr. Carl Hartfield, 29 years an independent tobacco buyer, recently said. At auction after auction, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine tobacco. Good ripe leaf that's got real smoking quality. I've smoked Lucky's 28 years. So, for your own real, deep-down smoking enjoyment, remember... L-S-M-F-T! L-S-M-F-T! Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. <laughs> Gosh, where could they have emptied that vacuum cleaner? I've looked in every rubbish can in the alley here. Frankie! Frankie! Frankie, where are you? Meow! Well, he's not in this one. Meow! Go away, Kitty. I'm, wor- I'm working this side of the alley. <laughs> Frankie! Well, there's nothing left for me to do. Next week, I'll just have to go over and apologize to Ronald Coleman. Meow! Ronald Coleman? Yes, yes. Good night, folks. <laughs> This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. The Fitch Bandwagon with Alice Faye and Phil Harris. for hair that is dreamy soft like moonlight and glistening with romantic highlights use Fitch's new cream shampoo. Fitch cream shampoo leaves hair romantically soft and shining. That's because it's made with two beneficial beauty aids, purified lanolin and the finest olive oil. Lanolin is used to soften your hair, to help overcome dryness. Olive oil is used to bring out sparkling highlights, to make hair glisten as though it had been brushed and brushed and brushed. And Fitch Cream Shampoo is so simple to use. Just a dab billows into clouds of rich lather in hard or soft water. Then to rinse, a swish of plain water and every trace of suds disappears. After shampooing, your hair is wonderfully soft and a joy to arrange. Fitch Cream Shampoo is economical too. Compare its size, compare its low cost. Ask for it at drug and toilet goods counters. That's Fitch Cream Shampoo for hair that's soft like moonlight and shining like bright starlight. The F.W. Fitch Company, makers of Fitch Shampoo, presents the Fitch Bandwagon with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Robert North, Will Wright, 
Donald McBride, Walter Scharf and his music, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. It's early morning in the Harris kitchen. Phil and the children have just finished breakfast, and the girls are about to leave for school. Well, we're all done. Goodbye, Daddy. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Come back here, you two. You didn't finish your milk. Daddy, why do we have to drink milk all the time? Because it makes you healthy. And it's good for your bones. It gives you calcimine. <laughs> calcimine? I always say calcium. Well, don't feel badly, baby. A lot of people make that same mistake. <laughs> now hurry up and drink your milk so you can get off to... Hey. Hey, what's that peculiar odor? Smells like a stale air wick. <laughs> Mommy's baking a cake. Uh-oh. She whiz. I hope she didn't hear me. She doesn't bake a good cake, but she's very touchy about it. You children better finish your breakfast because... Oh, Phil, you haven't finished your milk. That's Phyllis's. <laughs> I drank all of mine. See the empty glass in the sink? You drank it all, huh? Every jigger of it. <laughs> then what's this white stuff in the sink? White stuff? Oh, that's calcium dripping from the ceiling. Oh, <laughs> uh, Phil, how do you expect the children to drink... Uh-oh, I'd better look at my cake. Oh, are you baking another one of your delicious cakes, honey? <laughs> yes, can't you smell it? Doesn't it smell wonderful? Yeah, yeah, it sure does. You know, I was just telling the kids it has a wonderful aroma, just like a... A stale air wick. <laughs> look, kids, will you run along, please, before you get your daddy fractured? Beat it. All right. Bye, Mommy and Daddy. Bye. Goodbye, girls. So, my cake smells like a stale airwick, does oh, it? Oh, honey, wait a minute now. Let's face it. You're a wonderful girl, a beautiful wife, a gorgeous mother, but you can't bake. <laughs> Your cakes are always so heavy. Oh, they are not. I'll take this one out of the oven and show you. Hmm. The idea of saying my cakes are heavy. Why, this one's as light as... <clears throat> Why, it doesn't weigh it... Mm. <laughs> Phil. Yeah? Will you help me lift it out of the oven, please? <laughs> <laughs> Too much to lift alone, huh? No. no, that isn't it. It's just stuck. I tell you, my cakes are not heavy. Okay, 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 so they're not heavy. But how come we got the only oven in town with bow legs? <laughs> Stop that, Phil. I think my cake looks beautiful. But it's a little lopsided. It's got to be lopsided. It's higher on one side than it is on the other. Well, that's not the fault of the cake. It's just that the floor slopes down. The floor... <laughs> the floor... Oh, kids, you better get some rest. <laughs> well, it does, Phil. Look at it. Let me see. Hey. Hey, you know something? You're right. Well, that floor's a half inch lower than the baseboard in that corner. Well, I better go outside and have a look to see what's causing it. Hey, I'll crawl into the house and examine it, huh? Now, be careful, Phil. You be careful. 
While I'm under the kitchen floor, don't drop that cake. <laughs> I'll go with you. Maybe I can help, huh? Okay. Outside, there's an opening somewhere here. Let me see. Oh, I got it. Look, I'll just take the screen out, and then I'll crawl through this opening. Nah. That ain't gonna work. I can't make it through there. My shoulders are too broad. <laughs> Maybe you can get through, Alice. Oh, I don't think so, Phil. My hips are too... <laughs> I'll make it. <laughs> mm. Mm. It is a tight squeeze. Wait a minute. I'll grab your feet and give you a little shove, honey. There you are. You're almost through now. Mm, once more. Mm. One more little shove and you'll make it. Mm. Hi, Curly. Oh, hello, Frankie. What do you got in your hands? <laughs> Alice's feet What happened to the rest of her? I'm shoving her under the house Oh Nagged you too much, huh? All right, don't be funny The kitchen floor is sagging And it needs a new support That's why I shoved Alice under there I know materials are hard to get, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> How long will she have to hold it up, girl? <laughs> She's not holding it up. Oh, Phil! Phil, I found out what's wrong. What is it? The wooden beam is resting on the ground, and it's rotted away. There's supposed to be a cement support under it, but there isn't. Well, then i got to get a contractor to fix that right away. Come on, Frankie. Look, drive over with me. See you later, honey. Hello, Alice. Bye, Alice. <laughs> Goodbye. Well, there they go to the contractor's. Trouble should start any time now. I'd better sing while I still have something to sing about. I've got a crush on you, sweetie pie. All the day and night time, hear me sigh. I never had the least notion that I could fall with so much emotion. Could you cool? Would you care for a cunning cottage we could share? The world will pardon my mush, cause I've got a crush, my filzy, on you. So much emotion mm, Could you care For a cunning cottage We could share The world will pardon my mind Cause I've got a crush on you
Hey, Curly, I was thinking maybe you ought to do this job yourself. Contractors' prices are awful high today. Ah, how much can it cost me? Maybe $25. No, it might be a little more than that. All right, $30. you are always looking at the dark side of things, Remley. The trouble with you is you're a septic. (laughs) Just keep it quiet, will you? Here's the contractor's office. Come on in. I'll show you how to handle this thing. Hey, I wonder where the contractor is. Must be that old man sitting in the corner there. Oh, yeah. Um, Pardon me, Pop. Uh, Are you the contractor? That's a nasty thing to say to an old man, son. (laughs) I'm happy to say I ain't him. Well, you don't seem to like this contractor. Before I hire him, maybe I'd better look at some of his work. Uh, has Has he ever done any building for you, Pop? Oh, yes. Eight years ago, I contracted with him to build a house for me. Yeah? Well, I'd like to see your house someday. So would I, son. (laughs) It's taken him eight years to build a house? He can't be a very good contractor. Well, it's not entirely his fault. I'm partly to blame. Uh, You see, when I first came to him, I told him I had $5,000 to spend and wanted a small cottage. Well, she started to build, got halfway through the foundation when something unforeseen happened and he had to stop. What happened? I ran out of money. (laughs) So far, my little $5,000 cottage has cost me $23,000. $23,000? Yeah. Well, it must be almost finished now. If you're talking about the foundation, yes. You mean that's all they have built? No, no. Two years ago, they had one wall up, but due to a terrific strain, it collapsed. What kind of a strain? An earthquake? No, the painter used too heavy a brush. (laughs) This house must be costing you a fortune. Well, the way I figure, the house will cost me $100,000 when it's finished, and I ain't got that kind of money, son. Well, if you haven't got the money, the contractor will sue you when he gets the house finished. I don't think he'll bother to dig me up just for that. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm sorry, Pop. You see, the trouble with you is you don't know how to handle this contractor. You got to tell him just what you want done and how much you want to spend. Don't let him make a sucker out of you. How do you do, gentlemen? You waiting to see me? Are you the contractor? That's right. Good. Now, I want a little work done around my house. That'll be $5,000, please. (laughs) Did you hear that, Frankie? That guy wants $5,000 before he even starts. The nerve of him. What are you getting excited about? He said, please. (laughs) Look, mister, I don't want you to think that I'm quibbling, but don't you think you ought to find out what I want done before you ask for money? Oh, a troublemaker. (laughs) Very well, what is it you want done? Well, that's better. Now, all I want is a little cement pier and a little two-by-four beam under my house. What'll that cost? Oh, that shouldn't amount to much. Let's see, cost of cement plus the cost of lumber plus plasterers, carpenters, plumbers, electricians, paper hangers, tiles... Hold it, Buster, hold it! (laughs) All I want is a little support for the house that one man can do. Why do I need plasters, carpenters, plumbers, electricians, paper hangers, and tile setters? Because if you don't take plasterers, carpenters, plumbers, electricians, paper hangers, and tile setters, we won't even bother to come out! (laughs) 
presents a very logical argument, Curly. All right. <laughs> Quiet a minute. Okay. If I have to do it, I have to do it. Now, how much will all this cost? Well, I'd say in the neighborhood of 8000 8000 Well, of course, that's just a rough estimate. It might be a little more, or it might be a little more. <laughs> it's a nice choice. <laughs> Could it be possible that it might be a little less? Less? Yes. Less, you know, that pre-war word, less. Hey, quiet, Curly. The public ain't allowed to use that word anymore. Look, Curly, don't make him mad or he'll charge you more. Hire him and let him get started. I will not. You think I'm going to let this pirate do this job? You're crazy. I'll do it myself. Come on, Frankie, let's get out of here. Well, I think you should have hired him, Curly. It's awful hard work. What's hard about it? Two people can do it in no time. If we get started right away, we can have it finished by nightfall. Can't we? That depends on how fast you and Alice work. <laughs> I'm not talking about Alice. I'm talking about you helping me. Now, look, Frankie, listen to reason. I'll make a deal with you. If you help me, I'll pay you by the hour. All right. But you know the union rules. I got to get paid from the time I left home. Okay. <laughs> it's all right. When did you leave home? When I was 16. <laughs> Let's see, that was 14 years ago at $2 an hour. That's, uh... Quiet, will you? You'd never make it. Now, come on, let's go buy the materials. All we need is a bag of cement, a wooden beam, and a jack to raise the house. And listen, Frankie, what? if you do a good job, I'll even give you a bonus. You will? Of course I will. You don't know me very well. I'm a liberal guy. I'm a fellow with a heart of gold and the ways of a gentleman. I've been told the kind of a guy that wouldn't even harm a flea. If me and a certain character met that guy that invented the cigarette, I'd murder that son of a gun in the first degree. Not because I don't smoke myself and I don't reckon they'll harm your health. I've smoked all my life and ain't dead yet. But nicotine slaves are all the same at a pet and party or a poker game. Everything must stop while they smoke that cigarette. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. Puff, 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 and if you smoke yourself to death, tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate that you hate to make him wait, but you've just got to have another cigarette. Smoke, smoke, smoke. Mm. Puff, puff, puff. Now, the other night, I had a date with the cutest little gal in 48 states, a hybrid uptown fancy little dame. She said she loved me, and it seemed to me that things were about like they ought to be, so hand in hand, we strolled down lover's lane. She was oh so far from a cake of ice, and our smooching party was going nice, so help me, Hannah, I think I'd have been there yet. I'd have been there yet. But I give her a kiss and a little squeeze, and she said, filthy, excuse me, please, but I've just got to have another cigarette. Another cigarette. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. Puff, 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 and if you smoke yourself to death, tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate that you hate to make him wait, but you've just got to have another cigarette. Smoke, smoke, smoke. 
Sorry to keep you holding that gate open, Pete, but I've just got to have another drag off of this cigarette. <sighs> Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Tough work jacking the house up like this. It's hot, too, even with our shirts Stop off. Stop complaining. Just keep pumping on that jack. Oh, you're a big help. Well, we got to get the corner of the kitchen up a little higher. Pump it up. <laughs> hey, Curly. I think we're lifting the corner of the house a little too high. Nonsense. It ain't level yet. I got a great eye for that kind of stuff. Besides, Alice is in the kitchen, and she's going to let it snow when it's even. Now, go ahead. Will you pop it up? Fellas, fellas, you'd better stop raising this side of the house. You got it too high already. Well, why didn't you come out and tell us? I can't. Every time I reach the kitchen door, I slide back in the dining room. <laughs> <laughs> better lower it, All fellas. right, all right. Oh, come I know, on, we better Frankie. Look. All right, it's too high. So you... Look, now, we got to let this jack down. Now, do it slowly, will you? Ease the jack down so it don't slip, huh? That's it. That's it. Slowly. Slowly. I think we just about... Good morning, got... Philip. I think I'll scalp him one hair at a time. Either you fellas seen my arm around. <laughs> Willie, you bird brain, look what you did. You made the jack slip and the house settled back again. Yeah, Alice told me you were out here. What are you two doing anyway? We're trying to raise the house so we can put a new foundation under this corner. Oh, well, it's a good thing I came along to tell you what to do. Yes, indeed. I'm very proficient at this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now then, you, you two do just as I say, and I'll supervise you. Ready, men? Get lost, second lieutenant. <laughs> Philip, I know all about putting in foundations. I'll be of invaluable assistance. If you don't want me to supervise, I'll help you with manual labor. Hmm. I can set in the cement. All right, go set in it. <laughs> And as soon as you're hard, we'll roll you under the house. Look, Willie, go away. This is hard work, and we're having enough trouble without you. Well, fellas, how you doing? Well, thanks to your brother, we gotta jack the house up again now. Yeah. Uh, Curly, you jack up the house. I'll go mix the cement. What are you gonna mix it in? I'll find something around the place. Okay. <laughs> I'll help you, Philip. Now, just wait till I take my coat and shirt off. Willie, will you please, please, please go away, will you? No. Go away. Now, you're not strong enough to do this kind of work. Oh, yes, I am. As huh. soon as I get this shirt off, you'll see a torso that's really something. <laughs> there. Hey, Alice, where'd he go? I'm right here. Well, don't stand sideways. I can't see you. Now, if you, sit, you insist on helping me, okay. Come on, help me pump up this jack, shoulders. 
William, try and stay on the ground. You keep going up with the jack. You look like you're on a pogo stick. Hey, Curly, you ready for the cement yet? I'm getting it mixed. You're getting it mixed? Yeah, put it in that cement mixer you got on the service porch. A cement mixer on the service... Oh, Frankie, that's my washing machine. It is? Oh, well, well, give us nice, clean cement. Oh, Phil, where do you manage to get such stupid friends? I've got contacts. <laughs> Don't get excited. Everything has happened. Don't get excited. It ain't gonna hurt the washing machine. But, Phil, I had my new girdle in there. And now it's mixed in with the cement. <laughs> It is? <laughs> well, I guess your foundation is going to be in the foundation. That's not funny. Well, it was impromptu. <laughs> oh, I should have known better than to let you two do this job. I'm going in and shut the machine off before it's completely ruined. <laughs> She seems to be upset about something, Curly. She'll get over it. She'll get over it. Now, come on. Let's get the job finished. Willie and I got the house jacked up. Now, what we got to do now is to get that old beam out. Yeah. All right. Now, I'll tie this rope around it, and then the three of us can yank it out. Just wait till I get this rope knotted. Okay. Now, All right. Now the three of us just throw the rope over our shoulders and pull, huh? All right. One, two, three. <clears throat> Well, if it ain't the vulgar boatman Yeah-ho, heave-ho Yeah-ho, heave-ho La-da, la-da-da, yo All right, all right <laughs> Julius, will you go home? We're busy You know, this is the first time I've ever seen you guys with your shirts off Oh, yeah? How do we look, kid? <laughs> What's so funny? You look like three guys who were shipwrecked and didn't live through it. <laughs> oh, yeah? That's telling him, Willie. <laughs> I didn't know he could have lived like that. Oh, he's a mule. <laughs> Hey, grocery boy. Hey, Julius. Yeah? Let me tell you something. Don't you go making no cracks about my belt. <laughs> Let me tell you something, kid. When you grow up, you'll be lucky if you have a belt like mine. But that I gotta be lucky. <laughs> Let's ignore him, huh, Frankie? Turn up back. Let him stand in the sun. Maybe you'll melt. <laughs> now, where were we? We were trying to pull the beam out with that rope, but it didn't budge. Hey, why don't you get under the house and knock it out with that sledgehammer? Because we're too big to get under the house. Well, I'm small. I can do it for you. Give me that sledgehammer. You can? Yeah. All right, now look. Be careful, Julius. Don't swing wild. There are pipes under there. Just hit the beam. Don't worry. I won't miss. Here goes. <laughs> Oh, Julius, Julius, you bit the water pipe. Clumsy <laughs> oh. little schnook, ain't I? Oh. oh, no. 
don't, Frankie. Look at the water gushing out. It'll undermine the whole foundation. Now you'll have to call a contractor. Oh, certainly I will. And Julius, Julius, do something. Stop the water. Stick your finger in the fire. Okay, okay. There, I stopped it, Mr. Harris. Good. Now keep your finger in there till we come back. All right. Hey, wait a minute. When will you be back? Next Sunday at the same time. Good night, you little schnook. (laughs) Phil and Alice will be back in just a moment. No shampoo in a tube. No shampoo in a jar. And no other shampoo in a bottle leaves your hair so completely dandruff-free as Fitch. Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo. For Fitch is the only shampoo specifically made to remove dandruff. Leading medical authorities say there are two kinds of dandruff. One is loose and flaky. It's the unsightly kind other people see. The second type clings to the scalp. It's the invisible, irritating kind you can feel. And Fitch is guaranteed to remove both kinds of dandruff completely. So be free of all embarrassing dandruff with Fitch. Fitch is the only shampoo made that's guaranteed to remove dandruff with the first application. And the Fitch guarantee is backed by one of the world's largest insurance firms. Remember, no shampoo in a tube... No shampoo in a jar. And no other shampoo in a bottle leaves your hair so completely dandruff-free as Fitch. So switch to Fitch. Use it regularly each week. At drug counters, barber, and beauty shops, ask for Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. Fitch is spelled F-I-T-C-H. It's 11 o'clock. Let's go to bed, huh? Okay, Alice. Phil. Phil, what's that noise? It sounded like water. It's nothing, honey. It's just Julius changing fingers. Tune in next week when the F.W. Fitch Company again brings you the Fitch bandwagon with Alice Fay and Phil Harris. This program was written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet and directed by Paul Phillips. Alice Fay appears to the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. The part of Frankie was played by Elliot Lewis. Laugh a while, let a song be your style, you Fitch shampoo. Don't despair, use your head, save your hair, you Fitch Girls, for softer, shinier hair, use Fitch's new cream shampoo. It's made with purified lanolin and the finest olive oil. Lanolin to soften olive oil for sparkling highlights. Try Fitch cream shampoo. Bill Foreman speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.